Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Uh, welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, today I have the great pleasure of David uh, Hensel. Good afternoon, uh, David. Thanks for having me, John. No, it's good to have you on and I know we've had a conversation already. I'm just going to tell the audience a little bit about you. Um, so you're, you're the CEO of, of UpCoach, uh, which is all about empowering coaches to spread their teachings to more people with less effort so millions can reach their full potential. And it's a a fantastic uh, platform but you are a serial entrepreneur so you have many other businesses and you have been doing that for for, for over 20 years uh, particularly in the SaaS and e-com space and I'm sure you'll continue to do that I think you were born probably as an entrepreneur uh, and that's how it is which is great um, and so um, first question I always ask everybody who comes on the show really because uh, I'm really nosy is uh, what do you love about uh, what you do um, I love so many things about what I'm doing. I think, as you mentioned, what UpCoach is doing, uh, which is helping individuals to reach their full potential. I think this is like something that, that really drives me. I've, um, I'm a vision, mission, values nerd. So I've been digging into this a lot in my businesses and also in my personal life. So I personally found my vision, my mission to be a change agent who's transforming the lives of individuals and organizations so they can reach their full potential. And this is the stuff that makes me the happiest, you know. So when I can help, um, you know, people that work with me in, in my businesses, when I can can help them grow, or people who are using my uh, the app coach as a coaching software, you know, that that they grow and thrive or help more people. So, um, app coach is my my passion project because with app coach, I think I can really live up to my personal vision the most mm. because I, you know, with this type of software, I can empower lots of coaches to help millions of people to overcome hurdles and, and thrive, you know, kind of sticking with the, the podcast theme and organizations, of course, because business coaching kind of goes in this realm too. Mm. And uh, when did you sort of realize your your personal vision? When, when did you get to that place where you went, this is what I'm about, this is why I've been born, uh, and I'm going to go out and do this? Um, I'm going to take, you know – big step back. I was used to be pretty lost, didn't know what, what to do with my life. I went to 14 different schools. I got kicked out everywhere and didn't really know where it was. 14 different in. schools. Yes, yeah, I was I was Crumbs. a slight, slight problem problem child, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope your children don't do the same, are they? <laughs> yeah, she she's seven and you know right now she's been on she's been to three schools already. <laughs> yeah, but you <laughs> but probably not, not for bad behavior, not for bad behavior though. <laughs> um so and I was pretty lost, didn't know what to do. Uh, you know, at, when I was 15, I dropped out of school. And then um, I went to the Arbeitsamt, which is like the job center in Germany, kind of looked through every possible job I could do. And I thought, this all looks horrible. And I didn't know, you know, what to do. I kind of felt pretty lost. And a friend of mine came to me and said, like, hey, man, you go with computers. How about we start a business? Again? I'm like, yeah, sure. I have nothing else going on. Then I kind of found entrepreneurship. And it was just like, ah, oh, you know, kind of like my, my, my thing, you know. And then I initially followed, let's say, the dream of the world or the vision of the mission of the world. Like, oh, I have to make a lot of money to be happy. You know, kind of like buying into this, not really thinking about what actually makes me personally happy. It's just kind of like, you know, doing the thing. And 
Um, eight years ago or so, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Knock on wood, she's doing great today. But this was like a big wake-up moment for me where I mm -hmm. thought about like, you know, hey, you know, I kind of imagined myself laying on my deathbed, looking back at my life, thinking, did I really do what I was supposed to do? Did I have the impact that I wanted to have? You know, did I live the life that I wanted to live? You know, like an, like an early extreme midlife crisis. And um, I figured, you know, that MaxDM was my business back then, which which was cool, was growing, was fun, but it was not really, really close to my heart. And so I wanted to do something with more impact. So I asked my business partners, like, hey, we get an office all the time. How about we sell the business? Which we did. And then I moved to back to Europe. Um, and I kind of like meditate a lot on this, you know, kind of went going through multiple iterations on what I want to do, how I can have the most impact. And, you know, first I did managing happiness, which is a course on how to apply business principles to family life, kind of like US, the entrepreneurial operating system, if you're familiar with it book by Gina Wickman for your personal life. Um, but this was too much family therapy-esque, you know, so it was also really not the, the, the thing that I wanted to do. And then I read this book by Gina Wickman, which is um, it's by, by, sorry, by John Mackey called Conscious Capitalism. And, you know, the idea of the book or the old idea of a business is you have to increase shareholders' value. That's why the business exists, you know, because you have to make, you, you want to make the, the owner of the business rich. But the conscious way is you have to take care of all stakeholders of the business, meaning suppliers, customers, employees, the planet, society, you know, community, etc. And if you do this, then the business is the best vehicle to have a positive impact in the world. And so I, um, you know, start a, an outsourcing business called the LTV Plus where we, provide live chat and support agents to e-commerce and SaaS businesses because I want to give lots of people a good job and, you know, um, good work environment and put food on the table, something that, you know, I like. So I want to have like 10,000 employees in, in this business and about Task Drive, which is also I do lead research, also people business to grow this. And then I yeah, have a few other businesses. I have a portfolio of businesses and then I want to, coach the leadership teams on my original managing happiness stuff, kind of a little, little bit modified to, to be on peak performance, um, you know, kind of figuring out your personal mission, vision, core values, and your, your goals for the next 90 days, for the next year, for the next 10 years, and the habits that you need to be on your personal A-game or to reach these habits. And um, in this process, I couldn't find a software that was facilitating this, so we started building one. And then I realized that, you know, that with UpCoach, I can, as I mentioned before, have like, you know, amplify my um, changing or transforming the lives of, of people mm. at scale, you know. So it was a lo very long one answer, but, you know, kind of like giving no, 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 no. progress coming there. It's interesting. And, and it's, 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 it's fascinating how once you get to know your vision, mission, purpose, however you want to term it or all three, um, it makes things a lot easier in terms of going for things and, and aligning what you want to do, what you want, don't want to do. And when things come your way, actually, it makes it easier for those decision-making. And it's, also, it's, yeah. and it's interesting how that conscious leadership, that approach, that almost that view of being more holistic in how we go about things. And actually, just, just, just touching on in the last 12, 18 months, I think there's been a bit of a wake-up call to people in terms of leadership or in terms of um, employees, really, that it's not all about making money. Uh, obviously, there's elements of making yourself sustainable as a business. There's more to it than that, isn't there? And what have you noticed in not just in your own businesses, in the people you've interacted with, of how leadership has sort of changed in the last 12, 18 months? Or has it got better or has it 
or not got so better? I think a lot. I mean, a lot of stuff changed in the last eighteen months. A lot of people reevaluate a lot of things. You know, their life and kind of what they're doing, etc. How they're living and how sustainable everything is that we're doing. I know a big shift was, of course, like everything going remote, and all my businesses are fully remote. You know, remote first. So I think this was like a, a big transition. And um, another extreme thing that I saw was like a mental health crisis going on with mm. a lot of people, you know, kind of being on long lockdown, small apartments with, with kids and, you know, having to work from home in, in, in these environments um, was definitely a challenge for, for people and also a challenge for leadership. Like how do you, how do you deal with this? You know? So I think a lot of people found a lot of room to grow and to reevaluate um, what they're doing and how they're, how they're operating. And, and did you change your approach at all in the last 12 18 months as that as it made you do things differently have you made you more conscious of people's mental health and are just more checking in is as a difference in your style changed i mean we, we have uh you know changed in us everything we were always remote so like for us there were no real changes going on um we um did like the managing happiness approach like you know i've been sharing this doing like town halls with, with all employees, sharing these these techniques and tactics, like how to be in your personal A-game, how to be in the right mindset, et cetera, to, um, you know, give sharing tips and tricks um, with people on on how to not freak out and accept the situation that we're currently in. Um, so, yeah, but other than this, our, since we're already fully remote, not that much change for us. Okay, so you, you, your your leadership style was there anyway, because you were a remote business. But was there any more awareness of what was going on in terms of the the background and the context of the family situation with COVID? Was, did that make you think differently about things? Mm. Not really. Only just like realizing that there's like a real need, and that um, you know just how how important healthy habits are, you know, that you kind of like have like healthy routines, you know, kind of like whatever, meditating on a regular basis, eating healthy, exercising, like all the stuff that, um, especially when you're, you know, stuck at home that you kind of mm. still do these things because it has like a really big impact on like how you feel and how well you can operate. Um, and, you know, so it's kind of like the, or just like another example having a gratitude exercise. That's my gratitude rock. Every morning I pick up this rock and I go through the things I'm grateful for, you know, my healthy body, my wife, my daughter, friends, businesses, la la long list. And this puts me always in an all this well state of mind because, mm. you know, often as entrepreneurs, as humans, we always just look at the, at the negative things, you know, and we obsess over the, the big problem of the moment. And six months yeah. from now, often we don't even remember this big problem, you know, because just dust in the wind and, by doing this gratitude exercise, you're at this 30,000 foot view of like, you know, kind of realizing actually you have mm. so much beauty in your life and there's, yeah. you know, don't, don't just like, for, and this, you know, you're just going to plow through this problem as well. And then I have to stone in my pocket. And sometimes when I get stressed out, I feel it randomly and it's like, oh yeah, actually, you know, everything's good. And we're going to get through this thing as well. And at the end of the day, when I come home, I take the stone out or not come home when I'm, when I, you know, put up my, my credit cards, my phone, et cetera, out of my, my pants in the evening and I get the rock again, I go through the things that that went great this day because often you have a productive morning, everything's good, and at 4 p.m. you have an unpleasant conversation with a customer, your spouse, your business partner, an employee, whatever, 
and you think everything sucks, but does not. There was like still so much good stuff that has been, yeah. you know, kind of like by by exercising this graduate muscle, it's 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 much easier to just go through any storm, you know, because there's always going to be like you know, it's the entrepreneurial roller coaster, you know, that that we all go through, <laughs> and this you know, this little piece of rock here makes makes it much easier to. No, and a, a, a real simple thing, and people talk a lot about gratitude, but uh, you know, there's some there's some neurochemistry with it, you know, in terms of what it does, and it's it's quite powerful, really, isn't it? And um, and it's not just a oh, be grateful for things. Actually, no, it, it creates that switches you from a survival mindset to more of a thriving mindset. Uh, and actually, when you start becoming grateful, a you start seeing some good in things, and then then you start to then get a bit more creative, a bit more productive. You start to elicit sort of more positive vibes about things. Um, now, I agree with you, and that's a really good thing to be doing. And as that. Those sort of practices are they are they developed over time? You know, as I mean, you've been an entrepreneur for twenty years, and I'm sure you've had a few sort of failures along the way uh, as you try to sort of push the boundaries of yourself or, or your businesses. And you know, in the last twelve eighteen months, I think people have learned a lot about resilience. But I'm sure you've learned an awful lot of that in the last twenty years. And is there any other things that you've put built into your practices as a leader to help you navigate those difficult? Um, situations or challenges that you may be facing you know as i mentioned before i think that having healthy habits is like a key thing i'm a big believer that your habits determine everything in your life if you're rich or poor happy or unhappy obese or in shape it all boils down to which habits you cultivate in your life you know and also like how resilient are you depends on like are you getting proper sleep are you working out enough are you organized enough are you you know planning your next day every day you know to to focus on the things that actually matter you know it's just like kind of like having these routines in place to just make you, you know, it's going to make everything fall in place or everything much easier. And we went through like a lot of crazy stuff. You know, we had a business partner um, embezzle money. We had, uh, we've been hacked a few times. You know, my last business was a, was a CDN and we had 6 million websites on our, on our network. Wow. And um, we, once we've been hacked and somebody got in and was distributing malware through our network no you know? way <laughs> <laughs> <You> know, like <laughs> it was like holy fuck sorry uh you know so we've been through a lot of crazy stuff you know so um yeah like sticking with your you know defining what are the habits that you need to be in your a game to be balanced mm. and then tracking them with a habit tracker to make sure like you're actually doing those mm. um makes makes a massive impact you know can highly recommend this for for everybody who's in the entrepreneurial roller coaster. Well, you say that, but I think we're all in it now. I think uncertainty has become a, <laughs> a thing for everybody. I mean, organizations are, are still facing uh, uh, uncertainty in terms of how they, they they sort of track through and continue to sort of come out of, of the pandemic uh, and will continue to be that way. And I think leadership, you know, I talked about a lot about resilience last year, but I think leadership is becoming not only resilient, but this sense of agility and you've got to be a lot more agile in your approach and whether you're in a big corporate or, or a small business or even you're as an entrepreneur, agility is really important. And also for looking for those almost transformational changes uh, beyond uh, the sort of small stuff as well. Um, I, I'm intrigued. You, you have a, one of your values uh, and one of your businesses, and I think it's a personal one for you as well is um, it's called, it says love, not fear. Yeah. And, and and it's 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 fascinating and we've had a, a little chat already about this and I, and I quite like it and 
I just want to understand a little bit more how you got to that sort of value, uh, mm-hmm. but also how, do, how does that manifest? Because using the word love, we can't use the word love in business. It has nothing we? to do with business, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if the word love is used in businesses, then it's usually illegal in a lot of countries. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'd be intrigued to where it came from and what, what got you to that place. And is that like a personal thing? And then how does that sort of manifest within your business and your, yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm happy, happy to share this with you. Um, so it came from originally, I used to be very introverted. So I would have never gone on a podcast interview. I was even uncomfortable on a conference call, which was like really holding me back as an entrepreneur. And I saw other entrepreneurs after I moved to the States, you know, I saw people who have been like really extroverted at conferences, like really killing it with networking, et cetera. I was like, okay, I want to change. I want to become that too. So I went to Toastmasters twice a week, which is like public speaking groups where you and I'm at. I went to two networking events per week in Los Angeles and talked to everybody and their mom until I was like exposure therapy style just overcame this um, shyness. Right? But the real f- switch flipped in my head when my yoga teacher said every decision in life, you either make it of love or out of fear. So this was something I always knew deep down inside, but I could not articulate it. And she gave me the, the, the phrase or the mantra for it. And, you know, I, I started living by it then. For example, in sales, you know, I used to hate sales with a passion. I always felt like a used car salesman shoving something down somebody else's throat, you know. Um, but if you sell out of love, if I sell you, you know, this this product here because I think it will have a positive impact in your life, it's going to mm. be good for your business, etc. I can even be a pushy salesman and say, like, Julian, like, freaking buy this. It's going to be really good for you. And you'll feel where I'm coming <laughs> from, you know, because I, I care about, you know, leaving you, you know, making you succeed, making you thrive. Versus if I sell out of fear and the predominant thoughts in my mind are, I have to pay my mortgage, I have to hit my numbers, etc. You know, you also feel where I'm coming mm-hmm. from, you know, and also I feel like, sorry, S-H-I-T, uh, if, you know, if I curse, but um, then this will, you know, I, I, I'm going to hate selling versus if I, you know, I know I'm doing, I'm doing good with it, then I'm going to love mm-hmm. it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm empowering you and. Um, or public speaking, you know, if I stand on stage and, you know, I, I think about me and I'm full of fear and I think like, do they think I have a weird German accent? Do they think what I'm saying is stupid Do you know, whatever, do they think I look weird? Then I can't give a presentation versus if I think like, Hey, this is what I have to share here. Same with the podcast, what I have to share. It can help your listeners to, you know, do things better. Um, then I can, can give a presentation or another example, uh, in, in terms of management or leadership, my assistant, um, actually at Maxian, we grew very fast and we um, had internal communication problems. You know, like one department did not know what the other one was doing. So I came up with this internal newsletter, you know, where I told my assistant, please go to every department head, figure out what they are going to do next week or what they just completed, compile the newsletter, send out on Mondays. And um, she, when she gave me the draft, every time I had to correct a million things, it was never good. So I sat her down and said like, hey, you're doing this task out of fear and not love. And she looked at me like, what the heck do you want from me? And I explained that if you do it out of love, you'd go to each department head, figure out what they have to say. Even you figure out what our CTO has to say. She was not super technical. And compile this news that everybody's looking forward to it and that everybody gets like great value and information out of it. Then you do it out of love. But you're doing it, on, the only reason you're doing it is David said this thing has to go out at 4 p.m. on Monday morning. You know, uh, on money. This is the reason why you're doing this. And she's like, oh, this really clicked with her. And I never had to correct anything at the end. We even had like a really cool video newsletter that you kind of cut together about interviewing people and stuff, you know. So, or 
from the home life, my wife always wants me to do home improvement stuff, you know, like <laughs> hang up this thing, whatever. And I hate it with a passion. It's like I prefer to do my taxes. I don't know, it's like <laughs> I really, I, I, <laughs> I'm not a big fan. And so I used to always do it out of fear because I don't want to have conflict with her, you know. And then I hate the process of doing this task. And then the end result is also I was not doing it love. And now I just like, you know, I still start out of fear, but then I switch to love because I want to make our house nicer and I want to make my wife happy. And all of a sudden it flows and, and the result becomes much better. Yeah, so it's, Brilliant. Uh, it's interesting. It's, it's almost because fear is almost like a survival, isn't it? That sense of mode. It's like a survival mode. And actually out of love is more of that sort of pro proactive sort of uh, thriving mode. And and it, it, it goes back to that sense of your intentions, isn't it, in a situation when you're, you're intending to, sell or actually if you're intending to help um people's intentions are felt we, we feel it we, we subconsciously we feel somebody's desire that they just want to get you over the line to make some money out of you and that's all they all you feel we've all been on those calls and you just feel them selling to you but as you say they're selling with passion because they genuinely think this is going to really add value okay. to you and help you then you feel that as well and it, it's interesting it's and I was talking to somebody recently about almost that being in service of others when you actually go, I'm, I'm going to try and serve, serve you. And, it, and it's it's the same principle. And it's it's it, it's it's just a slight different uh, perspective change. That's all it is. It's just a different perspective change. But it, as you say, it creates so much in your, your attitude, but also actually to the other individual and what they get from you, doesn't it? Yep, absolutely. Being, being of service. Also as a leader, you know, I see myself like almost as a janitor that kind of just empowers people that removes roadblocks from them so they can, can, can thrive and grow. And I'm just here to facilitate. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's going into almost saying to me, how can I help you? And you know, it's yeah. not about as a leader. Well, no, you got to do, you do told. this, you do this, you do this. Exactly. You know, like, no. Exactly. And it, it, it's, it's so different. And, and just talking about that, and there's a lot of talk about sort of empathy right now and that sort of empathetic type of leadership. Um, what else would you add to, I guess, to the to the narrative of what's going on at the moment in terms of how else should we be, um, how else should we lead right now to to really help those organisations thrive and those individuals thrive? What other things would you add to that? What you're doing and what you've observed? I think. If you act out of love or have the service mindset, you know, for your customers or for your employees, et cetera, I think this kind of like solve the majority of, of things. I mean, another thing that I think makes a really big impact in your business is hiring people that fit your culture. I think mm -hmm. it's like very, very crucial. So um, we always like, we almost overshare our cultures and values, uh, our values with applicants beforehand. And once they sign up with us, the last page of our contract are our core values and have the initial next to each core value and then sign, like, I'm going to live up to these. Wow. Otherwise, you know, it's a reason for termination. And then we do, like, a call every month with the new hires to go over our mission, vision, and values and tell, like, stories how people have lived up inside of the organizations to our core values. You know, so kind of, like, to really hammer this into people's heads that everybody kind of, like, lives and breathes this this idea on like we want and for self-selection purposes for example at max again we had a our first value was build cool shit you know because we were like a tech focused company yeah. 
and we want you know very engineering driven we want people that are excited to build cool shit but we also want people that get offended by the word shit in a company core value. I mean, we wrote it like dollar sign, hashtag, whatever, you know, yeah. kind of like a little cryptic, but we want to repel people who want to come to work with a suit and tie on, you know, because they just would not, they would not have been Max Yen folks, you know, so, and um, kind of like having these like self-selective mm. thingies in, in your core values or, you know, we in, in job posts, we always have the hiring manager create a video um, sharing, um, you know, what, what the job role is and then also like sharing our mission and our vision and, and our core values in this video so people can like, hey, yeah, I want to work with these guys. It sounds amazing. Or like, oh, no, this like does, doesn't sound like my cup of tea. So have the self-selection thingy mm. going on. I really like that idea. A lot of companies have, you know, mission, vision, values. Uh, but actually you, you know, having part of the contract uh, is quite make it very engaging and also talking about it on a monthly basis. I think that's really important, talking about the stories and making it meaningful, making it, embedding it. Uh, I think that's some real lessons there, isn't there? Because I think it's so easy to create. Uh, and it's interesting, I've just done a a, a week, uh, a day with a company this week going through their vision and values, actually. <laughs> that's interesting. They spent a whole day and it's a fantastic experience, actually, because I was facilitating, but I was, I was feeling it all as I was going along. I was feeling these values as they were sharing it and, and we we're getting to that place, and they were they were just buzzing at the end of it. And uh, but the challenge now is to not only put it onto a piece of paper and on a website, make it look pretty, but actually to live it and make it. No, living it is is this thing, and you know it it takes so much pressure off everything. Also, especially if you as the leader, you know, a good example. A friend of mine um, did started Ring.com, like uh, the doorbell company. They sold to Amazon for like a lot of money. And yeah. I talked to his head of engineering about we're nerding out on vision, mission, values, and how helpful it is. And he said they have this floodlight which you put on the side of the house, and you know it has like a camera and a microphone and speaker, and floodlights. And when somebody walks past, you know, you can say like you you see him on your phone, like hey, and you can talk to him like what are you doing on property? Leave or call the police or whatever, right? Well, and this engineer came to him and said like hey, I have the best idea ever. We since these things have a microphone and have lights we could program party mode so if you play music and the party mode is on the, the lights will flash with the music you know wow. and he could have told the engineer like that's a stupid idea go back to your desk and work right um but then he would have crushed him he would have killed his productivity and this he would never probably brought up a new new idea right but he said okay that's cool but what does this have to do with our mission which is to make neighborhoods safer and then you know discussion is over so if you have like clear mission and mm. vision a lot of product questions, a lot of like, you know, a lot of everything kind of just yeah. falls into place because you have this decision further. And the same thing with your life. If you have like your mission, vision, values in your personal life, every big decision, you can just like run through this filter of vision, mission, yeah. values. And then you only do things that you are in line with like who you are or who you are, you're striving to, to, mm. to be. Right? No, that's great. That's good. Um, and just, just before we finish, anything else you want to share in terms of uh, your view on and how, that's was the challenges of, of leaders right now, whether it's a not for yourself, but a return to the office or a hybrid office or how we should lead or other aspects of, of culture really that we need to sort of embed uh, as we go forward. My personal preference is to be fully remote, you know, to, cause you know, a lot of people have like an, an absolute horrible commute to work, you know, in, in the Philippines, some people are like four hours a day commuting, you know, and like, in, in like not, not so fun. You know, not not in your your fancy car listening to a podcast. You know, it's like it's like some on some bus or whatever, right? Mm. So I, I'm still like very pro 
remote first, but kind of make like local, um, like quarterly meetups where you know the, the people from that are in you know somewhat close get together, hang out for a day. You know, so you kind of like have still this, this bonding thing going on, and um, then do like you know all hands meetings if you can afford to kind of fly everybody together. You know, to like see 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 people in, in person because it makes a big difference if you see each mm. other in person. Yeah, no, it, I think remote can really work, and obviously you're doing it. That's what you do. Um, but it, it's, it's quite nice to have those in-person meetings, isn't it? Whether socially or just to sort of do some ideas, sort of brainstorming. It, it feels easier. It's interesting. The meeting I did the other day was first in-person meeting for a while, and actually, what we did was quite a lot of ground in in four or five hours compared mm -hmm. to that on online. It would be doing much harder, actually. Yeah. When when I was I was just in Los Angeles a few weeks ago, and we my my business partner who lives in um, Florida now he was also in LA. You know, actually, he was going to Vegas, and I was in LA, so like he, he came over. And since we we're both in town, we just like put something out on Facebook that we're doing like a maxi then reunion party, kind of like you know people who are still in LA that work for us, you know, come and hang out in in like a place where we always did our um, company um, Christmas parties, and it was like very short notice, like less than a week and 60 people or so showed up and it was wow. so cool. Everybody, everybody's vaccinated. So pretty much everybody and, you know, no masks and hugs, etc. And it's like really therapeutic for a lot of people. Just like, no, yeah. come together and, and see people after such a, a dry period of um, no social contact. So it felt really good. So we're social animals. We got to get together from, from time. Yes. No, no, it's important. It is important. And I think creating hubs and things like that is really important. Um, Really great to listen to you, um, uh, David. Um, it's been a pleasure. In terms of people wanting to get to know you, uh, to connect with you, what's the best way of doing that? Um, you can check out my podcast. It's under howwesolve.com. Uh, you can go to davidhensel.com, um, my, my my site. Uh, you can always email me at david at um, or connect with me on LinkedIn. But please, you know, mention that you heard me on um helping organizations thrive podcasts. So, you know, cause I get a lot of like spam connect requests, but you know, if there's some context then you know, I'll, I'll connect and I'm happy to chat. Brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, David. Thank you for coming Likewise, on. Likewise, Julian. Thanks for having me. Thank you. If you like this episode, then please do subscribe, do share with your friends and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture, then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.